Joshua 17 is where we're going to be, and we'll start off in verse number 12. This is where we'll be, and says this, Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Verse 13, Yet it came to pass, when the children of Israel were waxen strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. I want you to underline or mark if you do that in your Bible. Remember that thought in verse 13, Yet it came to pass, when the children of Israel were waxen strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but... Did not utterly drive them out. The children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing uh, I am a great people for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto? Verse 15, And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country, to the woods, and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if, the Mount, uh, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee, verse 16, and the children of Joseph said, the hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bethshean and her towns and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. Verse 17 will be the last one that we see here. It says this, And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and, and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and has great power, thou shalt not have one lot only. Statistics show that the average Christian, uh, their spiritual life is less than three years. And so I want to tonight bring you some encouragement for those of you that may be sidetracked in your spiritual life. And also encouragement for those of you that may be on the right track and who are continuing on to strengthen you that are going There was a quote that said this, it said, if we Christians were as weak physically as we are spiritually, we would all need crutches. And here, if if you are not growing spiritually as a Christian, as a believer of Christ, let's say that you've been saved for any length of time and you are not growing spiritually, we should be worried about that. It's something in our life that if we're not growing spiritually that we should be worried about. Now, Michael and Dave aren't in here tonight, but we all know that those guys uh, are the low guys on the totem pole, right? They're a little shorter, a little shorter guys. And so when you were to look at those guys, you would think, man, what's wrong with them? They're so short. What's wrong? I'm just picking on them because they're not in here, and they always laugh and mock at themselves for being short. But you would think, okay, if, if you stayed so small and you never grew, uh, my little Tate's over in the nursery right now. And if he were to stay that size that he is right now, that'd be great. His mom would love it. Um, but if he were to stay that size forever, we would think, okay, there's something wrong. His dad is six foot three and a quarter and his mom is tall. And so we would think that if he stayed that small, that short, that, that there's something wrong with him physically, right? Shake your heads if you understand what I'm saying. There would be something that's wrong. Why? Because he's supposed to grow. As kids get older, they grow. They get taller. They, they continue on growing. And so why is it as Christians, when we get saved and we begin to grow spiritually, why is it that when we stop growing, we're okay with that? As Christians, why, are, why is it okay when, when we think, okay, you know, I'm not growing anymore and I'm not getting taller and, and, and the scripture, why is that okay? And we're okay with being that way. See, growth is the normal and natural result of life. If there isn't growth, then that life is in jeopardy. Do I have anybody that likes to plant 
uh, flowers, do you have a green thumb, you like to plant flowers, trees, whatever it is, okay, um, maybe you, you enjoy doing that. Okay, let's say you go down to Lowe's or Home Depot, your favorite store, Walmart, wherever, and, and you go pick up some plants, or let's say you go get some seeds, let's start there, let's start at the, the very bottom. And you go get some seeds, and you get the ground ready, and you do all the stuff that it takes to, to have the ground prepared to, to plant the seeds, and you plant the seeds, and they're there for a couple days, and, and there's nothing. And they're there for a couple weeks, and there's nothing. And they're there for a couple months, and there's nothing. What's going to be your, your first thought? Well, I'm going to go get my money back, because these seeds aren't growing no plants, Dad Burnett. You know, I need to go get, some, get my money back. Why? Because there's no, there's no growth. There's no growth. Because there is no growth, we look at that and say, ah, there's a problem. There's something, there's something that, is, that is wrong with those plants because there is no growth. That is the natural result of everything in life. Uh, when you first buy a little puppy and that puppy is nice and tiny and fun and small and, you know, it's so great and they're so great to have. It'd be great if that little thing would stay as a puppy. But no, it's natural result and in life is to grow up. Me and Kayla, we got a, a black lab about three years ago. And when we got him, he was a cute little thing. He was so small and so cuddly and so fluffy. And now he's like 90 pounds of absolute maniac, you know. And that's the natural result of life. It started out small and now it's bigger. And so here as Christians, and what this scripture is telling us here, and we're going to get to in a minute, that is the natural result in our life is to grow. Now, we're not surprised when we grow physically. We expect it. If by chance that growth doesn't occur in our life, we immediately know that something is wrong and we uh, try to uncover what that problem is. So just as there are enemies to physical growth, there are also enemies to spiritual growth. Our spiritual development is never unopposed. We don't simply drift into spiritual maturity. When you get saved, you, you, you don't just simply you know, reach this top pinnacle of, of where you need to be as a Christian. It doesn't happen that way. There's a process, there's growth that has to happen. And so we see to grow, we must swim upstream against the stubborn currents that we live in that try to hold us back. You know where your experience of salvation was real and there has been some progress, but it's, it's microscopic and that's not where we need to remain. And so I want to encourage you, whether you're on one side of the spectrum or the other, that this passage in Joshua 17, 12 gives us some light on why uh, we don't grow on why we fail to grow. Number one, if you're taking notes down, writing things down, the first thing, we fail to grow when we exercise partial conquest, okay? This, this statement in, in verses 12 and 13 I want you to see in Joshua says this, yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel waxed and strong and they put the Canaanites to tribute, they did not utterly drive them where? Out. They were supposed to drive them out. In Joshua 16.10 it says, And they drave not out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day and serve under tribute. In Judges chapter 1 we discover an important part of this, of this scripture that is concurring to, or concerning to their problem. See, before Israel entered the land, God specified, he made it very clear that under no terms were there, was there supposed to be any Canaanites left in that land. 
Does that make sense? Everybody following me? God said, listen, no one needs to be left. Everyone needs to be driven out. No Canaanite is to be left. But again and again, with deliberate significance, we read that they did not drive them out. Now, all throughout Scripture, we see different instances where God has given strict commandments and God gives it plain as day what to do. And us as stubborn individuals, we say, oh, we'll be okay with, with just a little bit of this. We'll be okay with just, if we just leave a few of them here, it'll be, it'll be all right. Or all throughout Scripture, there's different instances where God made very clear and gave very clear instructions. And we see the, the results when they're followed and when they're not followed. So here, the land is, is swarmed with both native and newcomers. Uh, no wonder they were complaining about these crowded conditions as we read out through the rest of the scripture. You think of it this way. Suppose uh, you didn't know me and I didn't know you and I met you in the street one day and I said, listen, I need um, a bigger house. There's only me and Kayla and Tate, but I need, I need a much bigger house um, that, that to, to live in. And you say, I can help you. I'll be find a place. And you go through and you help me and you help me find a place. And I come to you and you, you come on and say, hey, how are you doing? How's, how's everything going uh, the next week? And you said, I said, man, it's not doing good. He said, well, you we just moved to the bigger house. You're doing good. And I said, yeah, but the, the owners of the, of the house we just bought, they still live there. And there's 12 of them. You would think, well, that's silly. Why didn't you have them move out? Why did you move into the house without having them move out? So just as silly as that sounds in our day, we see here that it, would, it wouldn't require a genius to solve this problem. You, and, and when we're talking about that situation I was telling you, I would move out the previous owners. They would leave, right? They, they, would, be, they would be gone. I wouldn't have a right to complain about the conditions that I am in when I am allowing the previous owners to still live there. And that is exactly what the case is here about the complaining tribes. They had plenty of room. They had plenty of space. But they were still allowing the previous owners to stay there. It was occupied by the enemy. You see, it's foolish to ask God to give you more and more and more and more and more when you haven't appreciated the blessings that he's already given to you. Okay? And so I want you to, I want you to see this. Um, it's very interesting as we see some of the reasons in our life as to why we keep Canaanites in our land, in our, in, our, in, our, in our soul. Number one, or number two, it's a spirit of compromise. God said that every inhabitant had to go. And we reason that surely one or two won't make any difference. And that's the way that it begins. We know a thing is wrong, but we say just a little bit. Just, just, a, just a little bit will we'll be okay. Just a little bit uh, will be all right. If I leave a little bit in here, after all, no one, is, no one is perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. We, we know of worse things in life that could be in, in the life of other Christians. And, and it's okay if we leave some of that in there. It'll be all right. They'll get along okay. No matter how we say it, no matter what we do, no matter how we spin it, we are compromising the word of God. You can't expect to grow spiritually as a Christian and still continue to allow sin to live in your life. Knowingly have sin in your life. Does that make sense? You can't expect to grow and to and accomplish great things uh, in your spiritual life when you're still allowing sin to have root in your life. Now, I've given this example to you guys before. Um, I hate picking weeds. 
okay? Anybody like picking weeds in here? Okay, none of you. Good, I'm not the only one. And the example that I gave is when we were, when I was living at home, my mom would make us go outside and we'd have to pick the weeds and we'd put new mulch down so that we, you know, the weeds wouldn't grow up. And I hated it because we could go and get them done really quick and we just yanked the tops of them off real fast and mom would think that they're all gone. You know, all the weeds were gone. We just yanked the tops off real quick and mom said, no, you have to dig your fingers down there into the root to get the weed all the way out so that it doesn't grow back. Th- that point Exactly. You have to completely uproot something, completely get it out of your life so that it doesn't keep coming back. You say this, I still, I struggle with this sin and this sin and this just keeps on occurring and it's there all the time and it's all the time and it's all the time. Can I tell you something? Maybe that sin isn't fully been uprooted out of your life. Maybe you continue to struggle with those things because you're just plucking the top off and you're just kind of getting rid of it. And, and, and not, to the, not to its fullest extent. And so I want to encourage you that we can't allow compromise to be in our life. No matter how we say it, compromising the word of God will leave us in direct disobedience of what he's telling us to do. God tells us and gives us clear instructions and says, do these things. And we say, what if we just leave like a little bit in there, God? What if I just leave like a little bit of sin, a little bit of sin in there? I'll give you this funny example. In, in youth group, I used to show this video, and it was about a, um, a little boy who wanted to go watch a movie, and he went to his dad, and he said, Dad, can I go watch this movie? And the dad said, I might die laughing through this, but I'll, I'll get through it. The dad said, well, is there any, is there any cussing in it? And, and, the dad, and, and, the, and the little boy said, well, yeah, Dad, there's just a little bit. There's just a little bit in there, just a little bit. Well, is there any, is there any bad scenes in, in that movie? And he said, Yo, yeah, there's just a little bit in there, just a little bit. Is there any violence? Is there any this? And then going through, is there any, any, any bad, inappropriate thing? Well, dad, there's just a little bit. And then the dad says, you know, hey, man, before you go, you can go to the movie. Before you go, um, I made some brownies for you. They're in, the, they're, in the, they're in the fridge. Why don't you go get there and taste them? And the kid starts eating the brownies. And he, uh, he said, man, these are so good. And he said, dad, what would you put in these? They're the best brownies I've ever had. And he said, well, I put some double chocolate chippity fudge all in there and some sugar and some all this and the biggest hunks of everything. He said, I put a special ingredient in there. And the kid said, what is that? And the dad said, uh, dog poop. Oh. It's just a little bit, though. It was just a little bit. Just a little bit. Now, we think of that like, well, that's disgusting. I wouldn't eat those brownies. It don't matter how, how little bit of it would be in there. It doesn't matter. That's absolutely sick. But yet, us as Christians, we say, well, it's just a little bit of sin. It's just a little bit of sin that I'm going to leave in my life. Just be a little bit. It'll be okay, God. It's not a whole lot. Can I tell you something? If we are not fully obeying what God has told us to do, we are directly disobeying what he has said. So there's a spirit of compromise. Uh, B, there's a, there's a spirit of complacency. You see, did you notice when the tribes allowed the Canaanites to stay, they put them uh, to forced labor? Uh, that means they made the slaves, uh, made them slaves. Sure, they had been the enemy, but now they were slaves and under control, right? That's what, that's what, this, that's what they're, they're trying to portray here. And it goes through and, and goes through all these different things. So I can control, I can control the things that, that are in my life. I can control the sin that I have. So first off, we, we disobey God by uh, being uh, compromising. And we say, I'm just going to leave that sin. And then we say, well, God, I'm going to leave that sin, but I can control that sin in my life. 
I can control the sin that I have. I can control my alcoholic problem. I can control the things that I watch on the internet. I can control these different things. It's okay, I'm going to leave it there, but God, I got it under control. Can I tell you something? That no matter where you're at in your spiritual life, you will never have sin under control. It doesn't matter. It will never be under control. And so here they had a spirit of complacency when it came to these things. The truth is the Israelites could not handle it. The Canaanites refused, if you go on and read later in the scripture, the Canaanites refused to be the slaves. And if the Israelites couldn't do it, then neither can you and I. Uh, This last part of this, they had a spirit of cowardice. If it weren't so tragic, this would be funny. But in chapter 17, verse 16, it says this, And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they are of Bashan and her towns, and they who are in the valley of Jezreel. So they go up there and they say, man, we, 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 we need this room. We need to take more room. And so Joshua says, you should go up to the forest, to the, to the wooded area, and to clear out the land. And their reply, they said, the hill country, it wasn't big enough. It's not enough space. But what they were actually afraid of was the, the armed Canaanites there. They said, well, they have chariots of iron and they have all these things. They were afraid of that, but... But here we see that they said, well, the Canaanites have been put to forced labor. They're our slaves now. We have it, we have it under control, yet they're afraid of going and uh, taking that land. And so they were, they were cowards of this. See, we avoid a direct confrontation. It's much more comfortable, I want you to get this, living with the illusions that we can drive that sin out in our life anytime we please. We're much more comfortable thinking that we can drive out this sin, anytime that we want it, you can, you can quit that habit anytime that you want to. You can get rid of that sin anytime that you want to get it out of your life. And I ask you this, why don't you? Why is it still in your life today? Why are you still struggling with that thing when you say, I can get rid of it at any time that I want to? Then why haven't you got rid of that problem? Why have you not got rid of, of that addiction? Is it possible that you are the real slave to that sin. You think that you have that sin under control in your life, but is it possible that you are the slave to that sin? Number two, we see that we fail to grow when we expect preferential treatment. See, Manasseh was the firstborn of Joseph. And the Ephraimites were relatives of Joshua, the head man, the head honcho. Surely they deserve special treatment with this. See, you couldn't expect someone as great as they were to live by the same rules as everyone else. They wanted the the VIP treatment, so to speak. They wanted to have the special treatment. See, I'm amazed at how many Christians want the same thing and that actually feel this way. They know the laws governing growth and spirituality, faithful Bible study, prayer, uh, confession of sin, diligent obedience to the word of God. However, we expect God's blessings without doing those things because we're saved. Yet we think that that's covered everything and we don't have to continue to confess sin and to be diligent to the word of God. You see, we expect God's blessings without doing those things. Our passage reveals two major things that contribute to this attitude Uh, haughtiness. The sons of Joseph boasted that they were a great people and had been singularly blessed by the Lord. This, they thought, 
should qualify them for this special treatment, this, this uh, preferential treatment. See, pride is subtle. It's a subtle termite that eats away the foundation of Christian growth. It can attack a church. It can attack an individual. It can, it can absolutely destroy everything and leave deadliness in its path. You see, we go through and we see that they were haughty. Number two, they were lazy. I think one of the main reasons... Why us as Christians are, are weak spiritually and why we're not more mature and more spiritual and more dedicated is because we're too lazy. Why do you think, okay, um, why do you think that every single person in America doesn't go to the gym? Because we're lazy. It's the bottom line. We're, we're, we're lazy. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm not going to raise my hand. Because I don't go to the gym. But we're lazy. We want something without having to give anything in return. Right? Now, I have a friend, um, Michael knows him, that we went to college with. And he was working out in college and everything. He was, you know, he was, uh, he was like into it all the time. Took in, he took pills and he would do all kind of stuff. Special drinks and vitamins and everything. And he was like the most like strict diet. Like he, we were in college and like he wouldn't like eat a candy bar or like a piece of candy. I'm like, dude, man, you got to like live a little, son. Like this is terrible. And he wouldn't do it. He would never do it. And now he's a professional bodybuilder. Looks like he was carved out of like a piece of, you know, marble. And I look at him and think, man, I'd really like to look like that. That'd be great. But I'm lazy. I don't want to do that. I like eating my wife's cooking. I enjoy eating good food. I don't want to eat rabbit food. I don't want to eat food that my food's supposed to eat. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Y'all get there? Okay, I'll make you laugh a little bit. Y'all are a tough crowd tonight. I don't want to, I, I like a steak and potatoes. And I like Chipotle. And I like Taco Bell. And I like breakfast on Friday mornings over at the Methodist church over here. Oh, you can eat omelets. That's what I'm talking, that's why I'm the, the shape I am, round, you know? Because I don't like working out. And, and here, the same thing comes with, with us as Christians. Now, I hope that we're not on this same, this same boat altogether. Well, I don't want to read my Bible because I'm lazy. I don't want to do this because I'm this. I don't want to pray. I don't want to you know, be in a group of believers. I don't want to have that. I don't want to do that. But here, the problem is, for the, a good majority of us Christians, is that we are lazy. And it was so with the crowd here in Joshua 17. Joshua told them, listen, if you want more land, then you're going to have to work for it. Cut down the trees, drive out the Canaanites, stop, you know, quit giving yourself all these excuses. But that's exactly what they were not willing to do. You know, you can't keep on doing the same thing and expect different results. You can't keep on doing the same thing in your, in your day-to-day life, in your spiritual life, and expect there to be different results. It'll never happen. You see, we're the same way at this very precise moment. You are as spiritual as you want to be. Does that make sense? At this exact moment, as we are all sitting in here, you are as spiritual as you want to be. And we moan and we groan, wishing we were more spiritual, but wishing is never going to get it. How many times I've been ripped off by throwing a penny in a wishing well and, and wishing for something and it's never happened? Not one time. Not one time. 
I could go to Disney World and throw like my whole bank account in that water and nothing would ever happen, not one wish that I ever wanted. It never came true. Because why? Wishing never happened. Well, I wish I was this and I wish that I had this and I wish I could do this. No, it's called getting off of our backsides and doing it. It's called if we want to be spiritual and have more spiritual life inside of us that we're going to have to spend more time praying and we're going to have to spend more time in our Bible and we're going to spend more time being devoted to Christ. I read this story of um, Charles Spurgeon. It said this, one day a father took his son to Spurgeon College to study for the ministry under uh, that, that prince of preachers at the time. When Mr. Spurgeon told the father uh, the course of instruction would require several years, the father said, my son is unu- an unusually bright man. I'm certain you could arrange for him to finish much sooner. Mr. Spurgeon replied with this, Sir, God takes 20 years to grow an oak tree and only six months to grow a squash. Which one do you want your son to be? Do you want to be a squash or do you want to be an oak tree? Because, because the life of a squash, just in the name alone, I wouldn't want to be a squash. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that. It's only six months. You say, you know, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to just kind of let my life, you know, be whatever and wind up next to some zucchini on a, you know, kebab sometime. Or do you want to be a strong oak tree? And that's the thought. You see, as Christians, we think, man, I just want to, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to get done quick, I want, to, I want to get all I can, and I want to be done. I tell our college students all the time, I say, listen, in your Christian life, you're never going to arrive. You're never going to get up to a point where you, you have reached it, whatever it is, you're never going to get there. It's never going to happen on this earth. You're never going to reach a point where you stop reading your Bible. You're never going to get to a point where you say, you know what? I have learned the Bible from front to back, and I know everything that it says. I don't ever have to read. I'll never have to do devotion. I'll never spend time with a body of believers. I'll never do any of those things ever again. You're never going to reach that time. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. The Christian life is constantly doing and constantly going. Now, back in high school, I worked out all the time. Worked out, worked out, worked out, worked out, worked out. I was consumed with it. And then I stopped. What happened when I stopped? Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. She called me flabby. Yeah. It's true. It's true, though. In high school, I, we, everybody was all obsessed working out, working out, working out, working out. Big muscles, big muscles. And then you go to college and you put on the freshman 20, or in other words, the freshman 35. <clears throat> and you put on weight, and there's no time, and you're studying, and there's this, and there's that, and it just happens. Why? Because to stay to that same level, it's a constant workout. It's a constant every day, all the time, sometimes twice a day. It keeps on going and going. The same thing applies to your Christian life. The exact same thing. It's, there's, there's no difference you don't ever say, you know, I think I can skip a couple days of reading my Bible. I think I can skip a couple days of, you know, not being around other believers. I think I can skip a, day, a couple days of, of not having my devotions. Lastly, we see we fail to grow when we evade prior, uh, priority commitments. Joshua's solution to their problem was clear out the forest, clear out the woods, drive out the Canaanites, That was the simple solution to their growth problem. 
See, until this is done, no expansion could be expected. The land was theirs, but before they could possess it, these things had to be done. And so it is with you and I. Although they evaded this priority commitment, I, I hope that, that you will not. So this last couple of things, Joshua gives them two tasks. He assigns them these two things, and, and we'll call them priority commitments for growth. They are as necessary to our growth as it was to theirs back in this Bible time. So here's the thing, and if you don't get anything else that I said, please get this, and I am, I'm through. We have to clear out the cutter or tr- clear out the clutter and chop down trees in our life. We've allowed sin that started out as a little seed to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow until it is now a ginormo tree in our life. There's nothing wrong with trees. There's nothing wrong with trees. Trees are beautiful. They're great things. Unless you want to build a house and grow a cornfield or lay a road where that tree is growing, then it's a problem. The trees have to be removed. If trees are cluttering the land, you can't say there's enough room. And some of us have trees that are cluttering our spiritual life. Some of us have things that we're allowing to stay in our life and we're wondering why we can't grow anymore spiritually, why we can't expand, why God is not blessing us anymore because there's no more room. Because we're allowing things to stay in our life that don't need to be there. You see, they needed to clear out the harmless things that cluttered their life. Have you done that? Have you cleared out the clutter in your life? You see, the trees symbolize the many harmless things, even good things, that fill the agenda of our daily lives. They don't have to be bad things, but I'm certain that when we've talked about the necessity of a daily time of prayer and of Bible study, maybe you've heard this, oh, that would be great, but I'm just too busy. And we wonder why there's trees in our life. Because I'm just too busy. I don't have time. And in the world that we live in, that is the major excuse. Why do I not go work out? Because I don't have time. Why do I not do this? Because I don't have time. Why do I not go here? Because I don't have time. Why do I not read my Bible? Because I don't have time. Why do I not go to church on Sunday? Because I don't have time. Why do I not go to Bible study on Wednesday? Because I don't have time. Why am I not in a life group? Because I don't have time. And that is the killer of our spiritual life. You say, oh, that would be great, but I am too busy. I don't have room for another thing in my day. See, the truth is we all have the same amount of time. Tomorrow, or starting tonight at 12 o'clock, tomorrow, we're going to get 24 hours. You're going to get it. I'm going to get it. How I spend my 24 hours might be different than how you spend you're 24 hours, but we're all going to have 24 hours. We're going to have seven days. We're going to have, hopefully, many more of those times to come through. But it's all dependent on how we spend that. You see, we see that people usually manage to make time for what they think is really important. If you don't have time to do everything God intends you to do, it simply means that you are misusing some of your time. Now, I'm not saying that 
every waking moment that you are on this planet for the rest of your life that you have to read your Bible. I'm not saying that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you have to spend seven days up here even when me and Dave and Tony and Michael aren't here. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you, we, we, we have time. If you don't have time to do everything God intends you to do, it simply means that you are misusing that time. See, you will never find time for God. You're going to have to make time. And you're going to have to determine that you're going to get rid of the trees in your life. You're going to have to determine to make time. This means some things are going to have to be cut down. Maybe there's something in your life right now that is not helping you grow spiritually. And you're misusing your time for that. Maybe there's going to have to be some things that you're going to have to cut out of your life. You see, if you really want to know God, God will show you the trees that, that you need to clear away. Lastly, we have to clear out the, clean out the corruption. In verse 18 of this scripture, Joshua 17, it says, But the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites... Though they have iron chariots and though they be strong. You see, we have to clean out the harmful things that corrupt our lives. After the trees come, the Canaanites. You will never have the power to drive out the habits of sin in your life until you give priority to a daily time of fellowship and communion with God. You'll never be able to do those things. You will never have the power to drive out the things that have to be gotten out of your life if you do not have a daily prayer and communion, a life of fellowship with God. You see, the principle of growth lives within every believer. Just as with our physical development, however, we must cooperate with the laws of spiritual health if that growth is going to be realized in our lives. So you say tonight, well, I am on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. You are the Paul Bunyan of Christianity. You are chopping trees down left and right. You're getting it all out that you need to, right? That's where some of you are. And some of you tonight are in a spot where you've got more trees than, than, than the woods do in your life. And you're trying to figure out a way to get them out, and you're trying to figure out a way to, to move them around on your own power and on your own strength. And can I tell you something? You'll never be able to do it by yourself alone and your own strength. If you're not having a daily time with God and you're not in close fellowship with God, you can't keep on doing the same things and expect different results. And so I want to encourage you, no matter which side you are on, for those of you that are over here, keep on going. Keep on trucking, keep on, keep on getting rid of the things and cleaning out and driving out the things in your life that you know are going to hinder you. And for those of you that are over here, you gotta get started. You gotta get rid of the things in your life that you know that are going to hurt you, that you know that are gonna keep you from doing the things that God wants to give to you, for the things that God wants to provide in your life. I want you to all bow your head and close your eyes and we're gonna pray and we're gonna be out of here. I hope tonight that there's been something that you could apply to your life. You say, sometimes messages like this, you think, oh, only this doesn't apply to me, and you automatically tune me out. But I want to encourage you that 
maybe you are on the right track and you are, you're getting rid of all the things in your life that you need to, but there's going to be something that comes along that you're going to think it's okay to leave there. You're going to you, you, gossip, talking bad about somebody, running somebody in the ground, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it may be. There's something in your life that you're going to think, ah, it's okay if I leave that there. This backbiting, it's okay if I leave that there a little bit. And it's going to grow. And I want to encourage you to not allow things to take root in your life. Don't allow Satan to trick you into thinking that you can leave those things there. He's the master of, of deception. He's the master of deceit. And he'll do anything that he can to get you to think that that tree is okay to stay there. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at in your spiritual life tonight, that there is always room for improvement. There's always room to continue to grow. There's always room to get closer to God. There's always room to keep on doing the right thing. And I want you to pray. I don't, I'm going to pray up here, but I want you to pray at your seat and ask God to, to help you. No matter where you're at, if you're a all the way, you know, you got it going, or if you're so full of trees, you don't know what to do with yourself. No matter where you're at, I want you to pray and ask God to give you the time. Maybe it's the time that you need. Maybe your schedule is so full right now, and you've got so much going on that you, you literally don't have time to get close to God. Maybe you need to get things out of your life to make time. Maybe you need to rearrange the priorities that you have in your life Maybe you need to spend more time doing the things that you should do instead of doing the things that you shouldn't. And I want to pray, and I want you to pray at your seat that wherever you're at, that God will continue to help you, that God will lead you, that God will guide you, that God will bless you, and that you will obey, not here, not like the scripture that we read in Joshua, that you won't allow Canaanites to stay in your, in, in, in your, in your, in your area but you'll drive them out, that you'll follow and obey what has been told to you and get rid of those things that are trying to take root in your life.